There was a priest who got assigned to the same parish where his mother went. And the person who was in charge of cleaning up after Mass and putting away the different things found in the lectionary, in the book, a little yellow post-it. And he looks down and sees his post-it where the gospel is. And it says, kiss, love mom. So he thought, that's interesting. He thought maybe someone by mistake was trying to mark the place for the priest and had put a post-it there and it was from some gift or something. So he takes a post-it, throws it away, puts the books away in the sacristy. Well, the next Sunday, the same person comes up to clean up after Mass. He goes up and he looks at the book. He's about to close it and put it away. And he sees again another post-it that says, Kiss, love mom. So he's pretty amazed at this point. He goes back into the sacristy and he says, "Uh, Father, do you know what's up with this post-it? And he says, oh, yes, those are notes from my mother. She's here at the parish. And he was kind of amazed. He says, wow, you have a tremendous relationship with your mother. Every time you get up to preach after the gospel, you have that little note there that says, kiss, love mom. And the priest just kind of laughed and he said, no, you don't understand. You see, it's an acronym, kind of like NASA, which stands, each letter stands for a word. He says, what it actually means is every time I get up to preach, my mom is saying, keep it short, stupid. (laughs) So today I will take that advice of that wise mother, and I will keep the homily very short, very brief. So brief that... I will speak only about the first phrase of the gospel. You might say, well, why why is that? The first phrase of the gospel. This is the first gospel, the first phrase of that gospel, and this is the passage that the church presents to us in Advent. As we know the different cycles, A, B, C, each year we read a different gospel writer. A, we read Matthew. B, we read Mark, which we're in. We're in the year B. Year C, next year, we'll read Luke. And as we know, the classical writers, those that teach literature, English, all these things, the classical writers put a special emphasis into the opening lines. They were the best of times. They were the worst of times. A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. How much thought, how much effort was put into the opening phrase of his book, a masterpiece. He wanted to sum up in that one phrase what he was going to say in his literary masterpiece. And it's the same with Mark. Mark was the translator and secretary of St. Peter. And we know that he wrote this gospel around the year 70, shortly after both Peter and Paul were martyred in Rome. And Mark writes his gospel. He puts tremendous effort into the first phrase. 
And what is the first phrase? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we can kind of say, well, he could have put a little more effort into it than just that. You know, this is the gospel which I'm going to write is basically what he did. And that's what it sounds like to us. And thus we go deeper into what he's actually saying and who his audience is. He's writing to people in Rome and outside of Rome. He's writing to a vast majority who are Jews, who are Jewish, who have cherished the Old Testament. And the first word out of Mark's mouth is beginning, arche in Greek. And we might say, well, big deal. And it's not just a coincidence that John begins his gospel in the same way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Arche. Any Jewish listener would have immediately recognized it's the same word, the first word of the entire Bible of the Old Testament. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Every Jewish listener would have recognized immediately, right off the bat, Mark is making reference to Genesis 1.1. Arche, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So what Mark is saying, he's making reference to Genesis, the book of creation. He's saying, my book, my literary masterpiece, what I'm about to write about, what I'm trying to tell you is that this is about a new creation. Just as in the beginning God made the heaven and the earth, I'm speaking about a new beginning, a restoration, a recreation. And we can say, well, how does this apply to each one of us? You know, that's all very nice and good, but how does it apply to me in my life? Each one of us as sinners recognize that we are in a world that is not quite right. That something isn't working how it should. We recognize in our own flesh and blood that things just aren't the way they should be. And this gospel is for me. A restoration, a new creation. What's the next word word out of Mark's mouth? Gospel. Evangelion in Greek, which means good news. And that's how we get our English word gospel, good news. And this word evangelion is the same word that's used in our first reading by the prophet Isaiah. Go up unto a high mountain, Zion, herald of glad tidings. Cry out at the top of your voice, Jerusalem, herald of good news. Now it's no coincidence that this is our first reading. Whoever prepared the liturgy knew what he was doing. Better said, whoever prepared the liturgy had 2,000 years of experience. 
And what is the prophet Isaiah speaking about? These good news, these glad tidings. Isaiah speaking, as we've mentioned before in the previous Sunday, he's speaking to the people of Israel who are in exile. The people of Israel who are confused, who are discouraged, who do not see God anymore. A people that's exiled from their homeland, their temple destroyed, their country ruined. And he's saying, I am announcing to you good news, glad tidings, evangelion. That's the second word of Mark's gospel. He's saying the beginning of the gospel, this good news making reference to Isaiah, this good news that the end of your exile is here. The end of your questions is here. What I'm about to recount to you, which is Jesus Christ, the story of Jesus Christ, is the end of your exile. Far away from where we would like to be, we are in exile. We would like to be better. We would like to be different. We would like to be someone that we're not right now. And many of us feel this frustration And we say, I would like to be different. I'm in exile. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Son of God. It was the term used by the Romans to refer to the emperor. They deified all the Roman emperors. They were like God. They called them sons of God. So here it's very interesting. Mark, who is in Rome writing his gospel, is pulling in from all these different things to write his masterpiece, his first line. The beginning, arche, referring to a new creation, of the gospel, that good news that Isaiah is speaking about to the people of Israel waiting for God, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, not Caesar, not the Roman emperor in Rome, but Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is your hope. He is the one we are waiting for. Now, how does this apply to us? What can we learn from this one brief phrase? that if we are to really await Christ's coming, if we are really to experience his coming, we first need to feel his need, our need for him. Until we really come to terms with our deep need for Jesus Christ, then Advent makes no sense. It's just another thing on the calendar. Until I experience my sinfulness, until I experience that I too am in exile, until I experience that I too am in need of a new creation, a restoration, a change, a deep change, until I realize that, then Advent makes no sense. Why am I going to await his coming? So I think as we journey along our path towards Christmas, Christ's coming, the church is trying to tell us in today's liturgy, recognize that you're exiles. 
recognize your need for God and know that he is coming. He is coming at Christmas. He is coming into the lives of each one of us.